about the study in First Timothy continuing today, it's it's a little interesting because we're going to continue and make a little bit of a contrast and a comparison to between the elder or I'm sorry the bishops and the deacons. So you may remember in First Timothy chapter three, basically the first half of it, we've talked about the elders. We're going to pick it up in verse eight uh, and continue verse uh, to verse thirteen. It's on the screen. It's also in your notes and of course in your Bible. So First Timothy three eight through thirteen. Likewise, making a contrast and comparison to the uh, bishops, must the deacons be grave, not double tongued, not given to much wine not greedy of filthy lucre, holding the mystery of the faith in a pure conscience. And let these also first be proved, then let them use the office of a deacon, being found blameless. Even so, must their wives be grave, not slanderers, sober, faithful in all things. Let the deacons be the husbands of one wife, uh, ruling their children in their own house as well. For they that have used the office of a deacon well, purchase to themselves a good degree, And great boldness in the faith, which is in Christ Jesus. And so the first thing we really need to do, because of that word likewise, you've probably heard me say uh, several times before that each word, I believe each word is important in Scripture. And the word likewise makes this contrast, makes this comparison to the first half or the first portion of this chapter. And as a result, I think it's important for us to to do so. So... On your notes and on the screen, you will see uh, this slide is the similarities between the bishop or pastor and the deacons. So uh, I didn't put 1 Timothy 3, 2 through 7 on the screen per se, like I did 8 through 13. But we see the similarities that there's a blameless component and being found blameless. The husband of one wife. Uh, being husbands of one wife, not greedy of filthy lucre, not greedy of filthy lucre, ruleth his own house, or ruleth well his own house, having his children in subjection, versus ruling their children in their own house as well. Very similar concepts. Uh, with gravity that we see uh, in, uh, around the bishops and being grave around the deacons. And we're not going to spend a lot of time on this. We went through some of these, we went through all of these uh, last week. So if you feel like you need to, to brush up on the blamelessness or the husband of one wife, not greedy of filthy lucre, ruling your own children in house well or grave, I would, I would encourage you to go back and check out last week's uh, message. But we're going to spend a little more time talking about the differences, the additional requirements or different requirements of the deacon. And that's what this, this comes up to, right? So these are the differences associated uh, between the two. And I I think, again, this is important. We're not going to go through all of these. This is the more expanded list that is the requirement of the bishop. But in in 1 Timothy 3, uh, 8 through 13, when we're focused on the deacon, these are the things that are not kind of explicitly mentioned. There's a couple of these that are kind of similar, and we'll talk about those, but... Not explicitly mentioned. So not double-tongued is the first one. And I think this is kind of interesting because most of the time when we think of double-tongue, we think of of lying, right? But I think it's more than double-tongue, or more than lying, rather. Double-tongue is more than lying. Double-tongued is being inconsistent in your speech, right? Double-tongued is saying one thing to one person and saying another to another. 
if I have two people in this class, in this fellowship that approach me with counsel, my counsel should generally be the same, right? Or requesting counsel. My, my counsel should generally be the same. Now, obviously, facts and circumstances where someone is at in their walk uh, with the Lord certainly can create some variance in it. But generally speaking, if... I have one interaction, I'm going to give the same biblical counsel to one person as another. I can't, I can't, I don't get the, the right, I don't have the leeway to just kind of say what I want to say. I need to be consistent, not double-tongued, uh, not of two tongues, if you will. Also, not given to much wine. And I think it's interesting because if you'll notice over uh, here, not given to wine is the expectation of the pastor or the bishop. Here it's not given to much wine. And, and there will be a little more. This will come into play as we continue in, this, in the study today. But what we're seeing is we're seeing a graduated expectation. So the deacon shouldn't be given to much wine. So they shouldn't have trouble with voluminous amounts of alcohol. They should, that shouldn't be a struggle for them. Whereas there's a heightened requirement associated with the pastor or uh, shepherd, the, the, the bishop. And the reason I say that is actually, if you go back and look at in the book of Proverbs, there's several places in the Old Testament by principle that the expectation of the child of God is not to allow alcohol to get in the way of their discernment. Okay, And it's not appropriate to allow alcohol to affect your judgment. And that's literally what we're seeing here with the heightened requirement of a, of a bishop or a, a, of a pastor. They have a higher duty not to allow alcohol to impact the counsel they give. Deacons generally don't do that. Deacons kind of just need to, and, and yes, this is meant to be kind of funny, just not show up drunk. Like that, the expectation is actually lower for the deacon. They shouldn't be given to much wine, okay? We also see... Um, holding the mystery of the faith in a pure conscience. Now, again, as we've seen with a lot of things in Paul's writings, he's hitting on the same concept that he's hit before. If you'll remember, conscience was mentioned a couple of times in 1 Timothy chapter 1. We won't re, uh, rehash that or, or replow that, that ground today. Again, if you want to go back and, and, and check out those, those messages on the conscience, the different parts of our body, right? The different parts of our soul, the different parts of our, of our being, uh, specifically talking about our conscience. So holding this mystery of the faith, right? We, we need to hold on to it. We also need to give it away, but we need to hold on to it, right? But we need to do it in a pure conscience. So when I walk away from an interaction with someone as a deacon, I need to make sure that I have given the faith and yet held my faith in a pure conscience, and, and that really comes down to, and I'm just going to give a, a, a tangible type of example where I don't get the opportunity to pull back. I, I, was, I was meeting with someone and they, they asked me about my view on the, on the King James. And I'm not going to back down on my view of the King James. I'm going to, this is my, my position. I'm not mad about it. I'm not, uh, you, you know, I don't, I think you all know, I don't hit on it a ton. It is something I believe. It's something I take very seriously, but but I don't, I'm certainly not mad about it, but I'm not going to 
minimize it in the conversation just to like play to the person, right? Not to say, hey, well, it's it's okay. That's not, that's not a big deal. You, you just, just don't don't worry about it. Like I can't do that. That's not right. That's not a pure conscience. I need to. I'm going to hold my faith in a in a right position. But again, I don't have to be. I don't have to be mean about it. And then it's interesting. This next one is be proved, and. There's there's a little more there in in this passage than we have time to to spend, but but look, this is similar to not being a novice, right? Mm-hmm. Remember that the bishop needs to not be a novice, but this is be proved, and that's a very subtle difference. They're they're actually different words uh, in in the uh, in the Greek, and, and 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 I meant to actually say it. This is not a King James. This is not a trans. This much wine concept is not a translation issue. There is actually a Greek word that differentiates the much wine versus wine. And the, similarly, being proved and not a novice, while similar concepts are different. Okay? And not a novice has to do with time. Okay? But being proved has to do with the experience. Not to indicate that the bishop or pastor doesn't need to be proved. I'm going to continue to make that argument here as we continue. But to be proved as a deacon means they've been through an experience. You know, I've seen them under stress is another way to say it. I've seen them when the, when the issues of life are collapsing around them. How did they respond? And I don't mean that they don't fail because we all fail when the issues of life fall on us from time to time, right? There are many things that I wish I could have done and said different when I was tested. But I am going to push forward. And being proved is that process, right? When in, in the military, and, and, and we have um, uh, you know one of the gals that we've been praying for that's a member here at Midtown and went off to the military, and, and she's, she's been dealing with some, some challenges, some, some uh, physical challenges in her own right. She, you know, if I'm not mistaken, she was at the proving grounds, right? There's, there's, there's places in military where they talk about the proving. They're going to put pressure on them. The Marines go through the crucible, right, where things are getting ground together and they're being heated. And they're going through stress. That's, this, that's the connotation here is that in order to be a deacon, you have to show what you've got. Again, not that you're perfect in your response. We all fail when we get pressure tested from time to time. This is about how we recover from those and how we press on after that, okay? And, and ultimately learn from them, right? This guy has to have been through some stuff and come out on the other side. And then this is interesting because their wives, there's now a, a qualification on the wives that doesn't appear to be, like, there's no qualification on the, uh, I mean, other than the pastor, the, the bishop or pastor, like, ruling his own house well, there's no connotation about the wives. Hold that, bookmark that for just a second and we'll be back to it. But with respect to the deacon's wives, they, they need to be grave, not slanderers, sober, faithful in all things. So the grave, again, we talked a, a little bit. This is really a requirement of both the husband and the wife, 
right? They need to be serious when serious, you know, needs to be dealt with. Not slanderers. They, they need to be edifiers. They don't need to be people that divide and, and break down or, uh, again, kind of comes back to the double-tongued uh, nature. They need to be sober, right-minded. We talked about that least, last week with respect to the pastors. But this is not, just a, a, an interesting note here. Faithful in all things. And again, is that setting a bar of perfection? No, it's not. Because every wife, every man is going to have failed. But how do, and I heard, heard this on a, a, a commercial, it was an AT&T commercial or something, I don't know. With respect to the pandemic, don't bounce back, bounce forward. Like, if you're gonna fall, at least fall forward. Like gain some ground, learn something from your experience. So, so the faithful in all things is a Proverbs 31 type woman. You know, all the different aspects of life, she's working on them. She's trying. She's faithful. It doesn't mean sinless. It doesn't mean without failure. It just means faithful. If there's some aspect of your life that needs to be buttoned up, ladies, then button it up. <laughs> like... It's that, that it literally is that simple. And then the last point, which is a which is a fill in the blank for you. This is a singular, right? If a man desire the office office of a bishop, and then we went through the qualifications. But then in notice back at the beginning, it's on the top of your page, certainly in your Bible. Likewise, must the deacons, plural. So by its very nature, there's going to be less bishops than deacons. Deacons is a group of men, typically at a church, where a, a, a bishop or a pastor is a single. Now, again, Paul is talking to Timothy. He's trying to get some things established. He's not suggesting that there only be one pastor in a place. That's that's actually not... Uh, not there can be only one pastor. You don't have to have only one pastor. But notice the difference between the singular and the plural. That was that was your fill in the blank. The literally the connotation here is there's going to be more deacons and fewer pastors. By extension, if you go the other way, a smaller number of pastors, more deacons, more disciples, and more followers of Christ or maybe just those who call themselves Christians, right? There is a, I don't want to call it a filtering, but a narrowing. And this, this leads to our next point, this, this principle of increased responsibility. Notice in Luke 16, he says, He that is faithful in that which is least is faithful also in much. And he that is uh, unjust in least is unjust also in much. If, if therefore ye have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, if... If your life, you know, money and just your, the things that are just worldly, who will commit to your trust the true riches? Like, how can you be a pastor? How can you be a leader? And how can you be someone that's that's sought out for counsel and wisdom and guidance if you haven't even handled the stuff that doesn't matter well? And if you have not been faithful in that which is as another man's, who shall give you that which is your own? Like, like if you can't manage... Your job, that's literally getting to like people working for someone else. 
If you can't manage yourself at, at your job in doing that which is someone else's, because a lot of people worked for other people at this point in time, like, you know, they worked on, on land, they worked in, uh, you know, in the shipyards or whatever, like they just, I mean, it's like today, most, most people are not self-employed. Some are, but most people are not self-employed. They work. And how is it that if you can't manage yourself well at your job, if you can't manage your home well, like how are you expecting to lead other people spiritually, right? And this is real interesting. And there's a couple of passages. This is obviously the uh, the parable when, when Jesus is talking about the talents. And, and he says, and Lord said unto him, well done, good and faithful servant. We all, we, boy, we want to hear that, right? We, there's songs written about that. We, you know, we say, oh, you know, uh, you know, we see it on headstones, you know, you see it tied to funerals, you see it tied. To, we want people, I, if at the end of my life, if somebody said, well done, that I was a good and faithful servant, that I, like, I would be satisfied. I would be at peace. That's good. But notice where it comes from. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of the Lord. It's like literally we skip over that middle part of the verse. It's like, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter thou into the joy of the Lord. We don't even talk about the fact of you've been given little things to do. How have you done in the little things? And that's literally the principle here of increased responsibility. The more you responsibility you have, or, or the, the more you, rather, let me start my sentence over. The more you show yourself faithful in certain things, the more responsibility you'll be given. It's not a, it's not a difficult proposition. You see it all the time at, at schools with kids as they develop, right? I mean, the expectation on a two-year-old putting away their toys is different than the expectation on a 10-year-old putting away their toys. Or the expectation is different than on my 15-year-old putting away his baseball equipment. The outcome is honestly about the same, but, <laughs> but the expectations are different. As you show yourself, as you prove yourself, you're given more opportunity. And guess what? It's an opportunity to show yourself faithful. So when you're given chances in ministry, when you're given the opportunity to serve and hand out coffee, or I guess people maybe can get their own coffee now. I think that's probably it. Hand out donuts and do the things, just do things simple, ministry, servant type. Just be faithful. Show up. Like, do your job. And guess what? You'll get more opportunities. And as you get those opportunities, be faithful. You'll get more opportunities. And the next thing you know, you could be in this classification of deacon, deacon wives. Or you could be in the classification of a pastor or bishop and their wife. And I do think that is why there isn't a connotation associated with the bishops or pastor's wives. Because the premise is the qualifications of the deacon's wives still apply. As the pastor, as the man that moves from deacon into pastor, this is, this is a, a, a continued expectation. So this is a principle of increased or increasing responsibilities. So it brings us to our first discipleship question. Are you willing to grow into more responsibility? And be careful how you answer that. Because most of the time we say yes. Like, I want to do more. Okay. 
But that means maybe getting up a little earlier, going to bed a little later, sacrificing this, doing that, like instead of leaving at 10, you know, to, to go do X, you got to leave at 930 because you got to go pick somebody up or because you've got to be here to grab the car. Like, I don't know, fill in the blank. Like, it's, you know, I'm, I'm starting to sit in on some of the, the um, service coordination meetings. They start at 845. You would think that would be, right? Don't they start at 845? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, the look I got from Brandon, or from Brian, maybe, I was looking right over Brandon, was like, maybe that's why I was late today, because I got there like just a minute late. So I'm, I'm starting to sit in on those. Well, you know what that means? We've got to leave 10 minutes earlier from the house. Like, because we weren't getting here until like 855. And, and my son, thank the Lord, he was, he was really cool with it. He was really good about it. But I had prepared myself for like a little bit of a, a jostling, a little bit of a, you know, a little bit of a fight. But it's those kind of little sacrifices that you, when you add them together and then you put them over time, you start seeing people not shine. This is not about climbing a church ladder, if you will, like climbing a corporate ladder. This is just some people will show themselves faithful and other people won't. It's just, I, I, don't, I, I don't want to be blunt. It just is what it is. So are you willing to grow into more responsibility? Because Paul is setting down with Timothy within this context of spiritual maturity, right? That's our study. A guide to spiritual maturity. I want to take steps to be more like Christ. I want to grow in my faith. Well, then you're going to have to be faithful in little things. Okay? So that leads us to our next kind of section. It's the last verse of the passage we read in 1 Timothy 3. For they that have used the office of a deacon, or have used the office of a deacon well, purchase to themselves a good degree and great boldness in the faith, which is in Christ Jesus. This is literally a beautiful paradox because if you show yourself a little faithful you're going to get things in return and what you're going to get is this good degree and great boldness in the faith they aren't required to start showing yourself faithful the deacons that do their job well get these things Okay, that's so we do it backwards. So when you look at a degree, so let's talk about a good degree. We we talk we we think of degrees probably in like Fahrenheit and those types of things, and that's by definition it's you know it's levels or maybe degrees of a circle. But but it, if you think about like a third degree black belt, right? They've they've achieved certain levels or maybe educational achievements like a master's level, a master's degree. Right, or a fraternal organization. My grandfather was like a thirty-something degree Mason. Right, so they had they he attained to certain levels. Right, so it's interesting because the exact same Greek word that says that they have that they purchased to themselves a good degree it appears in Acts twenty-one. Uh, 30, 35 or 40. It's not the exact, I misspoke a little bit. It's a form of the word, okay? But it's the same root word. And when he came upon the stairs, the degrees, literally the, 
like I say, the, almost the exact same word. So it was that he was born of the soldiers for the violence of the people. And then when he had given them license, Paul stood on the stairs, on the degrees, on the steps, right? That's, a, that's the, the only difference of the word is the, the physicalness of it, right? So when he stood on the stairs, so that is literally... A, a deacon that does his job well, it says that he purchases to him, to himself a good degree, a good step. Literally, he is moved closer to the Lord. It's not, again, this isn't because the deacons, like, I've been a deacon at the church we were at before and here, and I haven't gotten a free meal out of it yet. Like, nobody's, I, I have, nobody's get, sent me a paycheck like, I haven't had to record it on my taxes. Brandon's laughing. Like, I don't know what I've gotten out of. I have not gotten nothing out of being a deacon except the opportunity to serve. Like, like nobody's given me anything. This is not, I don't have a corner office. I don't even have an office. I don't have a chair. So it's not about going up a rung like, oh, look at me. I don't know why that is. Why did people do, do that? Like, why, why is breathing on your hand and rubbing your... I don't even know what that means. Like that, I don't know that people do that ever. But it's not like you're, you're something, you've arrived. It literally is the concept of being abased, but, but that's not the concept of degree or step that he's talking. It's a step closer to being like Christ. Okay? It's leaving behind things that don't matter as much and going toward things that do matter more. Literally, the Psalms, this is kind of a, a, of a bit of an aside here, but Psalms 120 through 124, there's 15 of them because the first one counts. They're called Psalms of Degrees. I think there's four of them that are attributed to David, one attributed to Solomon. The rest don't have a known author. There are There's some different theories about why they're called the Psalms of Degrees. Uh, one is that they, one theory is that they would sing these Psalms as they approached Jerusalem, as they literally uh, went up to the temple. They would sing these Psalms of Degrees as they were going up. Uh, I don't know if that's accurate or not. I've certainly heard that. So, Others suppose that it refers to the rhythm or the, the sense of ascending in, in the psalm itself, how it kind of builds on, it, on itself. Psalm 121, I think, is a good example of this. It, it seems to kind of build on itself and gain some momentum. Um, it may be uh, uh, an increase uh, relative to the other psalms, an increased height or measure with respect to how they were to be uh, to be performed, I, I don't have the answer. I'm just I'm just sharing with you some of the thoughts. But the point is, this purchasing to themselves an, a good degree means that they deacons, because they've done their job well, if they've done their job well, they get a step closer in their walk with the Lord. And then notice they also get great boldness. So we're going to just touch on these. I know there's a lot of verses. I wanted you to have them on your notes more than anything. But great boldness in Christ is the first one. Great boldness in Christ. 
So Proverbs 28, the, the righteous are as bold as a lion. Or when they saw the boldness of Peter and John. In Ephesians 3, 12, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence by the faith of him, Christ. Right? With all boldness, uh, with Christ being magnified in our bodies. And Hebrews four sixteen, let us therefore come boldly under the throne of grace. So in Christ... We can have boldness. That last one, 1 John 4, 17. Herein is our love made perfect that we may have boldness. Look at this, in the day of judgment. Like the Christian should be so bold in their relationship with the Lord that they welcome this terrifying day, this this awesome and not necessarily like awesome dude, but awesome experience of the judgment seat of Christ. We should be bold. And literally, the deacon, according to 1 Timothy uh, 3 and verse 13, for they that have used the office of a deacon well, purchase to themselves a good degree, but great boldness in the faith. Like literally, it's going to build on itself. The more you minister, the bolder you get in ministry. I, I know that seems like kind of backwards, but it's like, hey, I can do this. And I don't mean in my flesh. I just mean, hey, like God can use me. It's a, it's a beautiful place. But not only is there great boldness in Christ, but there's great boldness in speech. Almost all of these, a significant number of them obviously come from the book of Acts, but they talk about opening your mouth. The deacon whose primary job is not preaching and teaching the word, but is ministry, right? Serving the tables, so allowing the apostles and early uh, in, in the book of Acts to, to focus on ministry of the word. But, but even as we see in 1 Timothy, their job is, is primarily physical ministry, um, uh, applying a physical ministry and putting a spiritual uh, you know, component to it. But in speech... These deacons are purchasing to themselves great boldness in, in what they say. I mean, Ephesians 6, 19 through 20, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel, that therein I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. I mean, that's really, it's an important component of your spiritual growth is learning how to speak, when to speak, when not to speak, but more, I would argue in, in the context of 1 Timothy chapter 3, maybe how to be bold in that speech. But, but and I've, I've mentioned this word a couple of times, and I don't know if you caught it or not, but they purchase. Look back at verse 13. It says, For they that have used the office of a deacon well purchase to themselves a good degree. They literally buy in. They buy in. And I don't mean buy in like a poker game. I mean they're putting their resources on the table and they say, I'm in. They purchase. In, in the book of Acts, it's interesting because in uh, Acts 20, 28, take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock over which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers. Similar context, the shepherding context, to feed the church of God. Look at this. Which he hath purchased with his own blood same word purchased he purchased with his own blood Jesus bought the church and the deacon the minister has a chance to buy in to that same ministry and how do you do it proving yourself over time 
You continue to do it. Be faithful in the little things. Follow those guidelines. When you don't feel like ministering, minister. One of the one of the pastors that I that I said under in, in years past said there's two times to serve the Lord when you feel like it and when you don't. Like you still do it. Right? You still do it. But notice this in Revelation 3.18, I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire that thou mayest be rich and white raiment that thou mayest be clothed and that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear and anoint thine eyes with thy salve that thou mayest see. This, this verse is to the Laodicean church. It totally applies practically to us today. But notice he says buy or purchase of me three things. Gold tried in the fire. Gold is a picture of the deity of Christ. And white raiment that's a picture of the righteousness of Christ that we will get. We will be clothed in, in, in white raiment. The, the righteousness of Christ. And anoint thine eyes with ISAB. So you're going to have to buy that too. Which is literally the ministry of Christ. Remember he spits in the ground and he, and he puts it on the guy's eyes so he can see. I'm not suggesting you need to buy Jesus spit. That didn't sound right coming out. But, 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 but somebody will sell it. That's right, Shane. Somebody would sell Jesus spit if they could. Um, this is the very, very dirt that Jesus spit in. Oh, I'll buy it. Um, I don't know why that person had to sound so high-pitched. But um, gold, his deity, white raiment, his righteousness, and an ISAB, his ministry. You want to buy in? Buy into Christ. Now, this isn't like, hey, how can I pay money to get into, to have the spiritual gifts, right? That ends up badly, by the way. So, so Allah, Samuel Jackson, and Jennifer Gardner, what's in your cart? I couldn't say wallet because you don't necessarily do that. What's in your cart? What are you buying spiritually? <clears throat> this is different than investing. Investing is me taking some of my money and putting it in an account hoping to gain some interest. There are spiritual principles associated with investing as well. Buying is different. Buying is different. Yesterday, in advance of the bike ride, I did something that I obviously needed to do, and I bought a bottle of Gatorade. I gave them, we'll say two bucks, I can't remember. I gave them a couple of dollars in exchange for the Gatorade. I made a trade. That's what a buying is or a purchase. You're trading something for something else. You're giving of yourself. In this case, I gave of my $2. Enter better off dead joke. Some of you know I want my $2. So some of you don't. That's okay. Um, I gave my $2, I gave a portion of myself in exchange for something that I needed. That's literally what t Paul is telling Timothy to do here. He's, liter he's literally saying, give of yourself and you're going to get something in return. The blessings of ministry. You say, well, sometimes ministry is hard and is dirty and ecky and it looks like Jesus spit in mud. Yes, it does. But you're buying for eternity. Right? You're buying into his deity. You're buying into his righteousness. You're buying into his ministry. And again, I don't mean financially. So what is in your cart? What are you know, do you only have wood, hay, and stubble? 
in your Amazon checkout? Hey, you've purchased these things before. It's a load of wood, which right now it's a horrible example. Wood's like better than gold, but, but, but you know, like, like sticks and stubble and hay. Or are you a previous purchaser of gold, silver, and precious stones? When you turn around and look at who's following you forward in the walk of Christ, this, got, this path to spiritual maturity, are you investing in the, the lives of people in the word of God? So I'm just going to leave that there. That I'm just going to challenge you. You've got some decisions to make in your walk with the Lord. This, as I've mentioned before, this is not a terribly uh, salvation-centric you know, book. Uh, we'll get into some of that. This book is about taking the next step. And I've shared with you, every person who is a saved believer has a next step in their walk. Otherwise, you'd be dead. Right. And you're not. Last time I checked, every one of you here still has a pulse. And if I guess if they're listening online, they probably have a pulse too, I would think. At least they started it. They may have died in the middle of the message. But I'm getting off. Maybe it, maybe it was that bad that they literally died in the middle of the message. I don't know. But the point is, this is about taking your next step in your spiritual walk. And it could be kind of hard. It could be a little uncomfortable. And it could cost you something. But I'm telling you, it'll be worth every bit of it. You'll get a good degree. You'll go, grow closer in your steps with the Lord. You'll also purchase great boldness. You literally will have the opportunity to come before the throne at the day of judgment boldly and say, Lord, I gave it everything I had, not in my flesh, but I just I laid it all, for, all, all down for you. And he'll say, hopefully, prayerfully, I, I wish for you, well done, now good and faithful servant because you were faithful in little things i can make you rule over important things now enter into the joy of the lord let's pray lord we thank